0: and we want to help. Welcome to the Boss Free Society podcast, your entertaining entrepreneur therapy session with your hosts, Tim Wambach and Patty Dominguez. Couch not included.
1: Patty, I have a question for you. Do you know what your what is?
2: I do, Tim. I do. And what we are doing on this show is exactly my what. It's what I'm super passionate about. It's helping people with the mission. If they want to quit their job and live boss free, they can do so by design. I mean, that's what I'm super passionate about.
1: Well, I love it. And and as you know, I am as well. And the the good thing is our guest today is Exactly that as well. Our guest is Steve Olsher. He's known as the world's foremost reinvention expert, famous for helping individuals and corporations become exceptionally clear on their what. That is the one thing they were created to do. His practical, no-holds-barred approach to life and business propels his clients towards achieving massive profitability, while also cultivating a life of purpose, conviction, and contribution. He is the New York Times bestselling author of What Is Your What? Discover the One Amazing Thing You Were Born to Do. He's also an international keynote speaker and an in-demand media guest who has appeared on CNN, Fox Business, and other national outlets. The Boss Free Society welcomes
3: Steve Olsher.
2: Welcome, Steve.
3: Hey, how are you doing? Thanks for having me.
2: We are doing great, and I want to know so much in this next half hour I don't know if we're going to be able to cram it all in, but to that point, what is your what? Can you tell us more about that
3: well i I think in authorland, they say you write the book that you most need, and so you know for me it's really been that question for my whole life um, i mean look there there's four different paths that I've associated uh, that I've identified as, as most of us are walking on, and we can talk about those later but You know, for me, I'm really uh, what I would call a wanderer, which is someone who has just never really had that clarity around who I am and what it is that I'm most compelled to do. And so as I tried the Myers-Briggs and the What Color Is Your Parachutes and the Strands Finders and all that other crap, um, you know, it really left me with more questions than answers. And so ultimately, um, since I couldn't find the modality that would help me find uh, really what it is that I'm most compelled to do and how I was really born and wired to serve, uh, I ended up creating it, which is the what is your what framework uh, that Tim mentioned when we opened up here. And you know, the what is your what framework is comprised of three different but very, um, uh, shall we say, interchangeable but interreliant components Which are your gift, which is really how you're naturally wired to excel. It's what's in your DNA, the vehicle, which is how you will then share that gift with the world. And then perhaps equally important, the people, uh, which are the people that you're most compelled to serve. So it's the combination of the gifts, the vehicle and the people that makes up the what is your what framework.
2: So that's brilliant. So what's your perspective? Because, because when you started that, you said all these tests, the behavioral tests, they're all crap, right? I guess, what was it that you weren't finding? Because I've taken a lot of those tests too. And I agree with you absolutely that it's not naturally providing a lot of feedback for you that, that I you could do. take and figure things out.
3: Yeah. I mean, look, it, it's great to know that I'm an extrovert feeling, fuckball i don't know whatever the other things fs are that they stand for but you know i mean it's just like you know for me it's like okay that's great but what do i do with that information you know and so that's the thing it's like you know all of these modalities were really good at helping to um put another list of questions on the piece of paper right and so <laughs> that's that That's not really helping when you get done and now you've got a new set of questions.
1: If someone is out there who's, you know, maybe look, feeling that they don't know what their what is, what are some of the things that you're going to say to them or some things that they can do to find that what?
3: Yeah. And I mean, but you make a really good point, which is, you know, somebody's got to be ready. You know, I mean, that's the thing is I'm not. I'm not knocking the 9 to 5. You know, I mean if if that's your gig and you go to work and you bring home some money and you come home to the people that you love, you spend some time with them, then you go back to work the next day and that's your thing, cool, right? I mean, it's not for me to say otherwise, but if you're feeling as though there is something And you just kind of have that, like, that nagging, that, like, tugging at your collar type feeling that you were really meant and made to do something extraordinary, but you just can't figure out what it is. You know, then that's when we enter into a conversation. And obviously, there's a process that goes into this. I mean, if it was easy, then, you know, we'd all understand very clearly what our what is. But, you know, truth is that 99.9% of the world. We'll go through life without being clear on one component of the what is your what framework, let alone all three.
2: And that's sad. That's actually really sad. So I guess at a high level, can you give some indication and go into each one of those three components just to kind of offer some clarity to people as to how you help them?
3: Um, you know, I think it's probably easiest if I just give you a real life example. So. The, <clears throat> one of my favorite stories is of a woman who came to take the Reinvention Workshop, which is a course that I teach. And at the Reinvention Workshop, she came, was pretty close to being satisfied with what she was doing, but she just she felt like a piece of the puzzle was missing. And so as we looked at the what is your what equation, looked at the framework, um, I mean, it was quite clear that her gift was healing right? I mean, that was just her true core gift. She was a healer. Um, And other examples of gifts can be like um, entertaining, uh, enrolling, communicating, protecting, you know, et cetera, right? So there are, there's a list of uh, about 30 different gifts that pretty much all of us fall into one of those categories with very rare exception. And as we looked at the vehicle that she was using, the vehicle that she was using to share her gift of healing with the world was nursing. And so obviously the vehicle can take numerous forms, right? So if your gift is healing, the vehicle that you could use, you know, could be therapy. It could be massage. It could be Reiki. It could be, um, you know, physical therapy. I mean, whatever that might be for you Obviously, there's myriad vehicles that you could use to share that gift of healing with the world. Her gift was healing. Her vehicle was nursing. And I'm just I'm bringing you through this equation just so, just so you guys can start to see kind of how this all comes together. Right. It's easier to use a real-life example. And, and the people that she's most compelled to serve, however, was off. And she knew it was off because she was working in a general hospital, and she kind of liked her job, but she didn't really love it. And she couldn't really put her finger on why. But as we went through the third part of the equation, which is uh, the people, the people that you're most compelled to serve, it became very clear that those people for her are the disadvantaged elderly. And it's like as soon as we put those words on the board and she saw disadvantaged elderly on the board, she knew... That she was doing the right thing in terms of being a nurse, and she was using that core gift of healing, but she was in the wrong place, mm-hmm. and that's why things just sort of felt out of whack for her. So fast forward uh, <laughs> four or five years now, um, and she's been working as a um, uh, as a head nurse at a, a veterans' administered administration hospital, so at a VA hospital. Uh, and she's working with the disadvantaged elderly and, and it's really made all the difference for her.
2: That's amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, even within the fact that, that she was in that realm, right? She was already doing presumably something that would make her happy, but just even fine tuning and tweaking it. It's amazing. I'm sure yeah, she's lot so happier as a result.
3: Yeah. And she's, she would fall under the category of what I would call a shifter, right? Mm-hmm. And a shifter is someone who just really needs to make a subtle shift to the equation. And that subtle shift then really puts them in alignment with who they inherently are and who they are most naturally compelled to serve.
2: How about entrepreneurs? You know, entrepreneurs, I would say, uh, chronically have lots of different opportunities as their business evolves and they're like, should I go this way? Should I go that way? I don't necessarily know what I want to do. I think I want to put a course together, do some online training. And that's what a lot of entrepreneurial endeavors kind of evolve to. So, how do you? Stay the course. If you're not sure what that course is, I mean, should people be testing things out and then fine tune? What would your approach be?
3: Well, the entrepreneurial spirit obviously is a, is a unique way of being. Now, the the fact of the matter is that if you are heading into entrepreneurial land and you are unclear as to what your what is, it's really an effort in futility because mm-hmm. you'll create something. Uh, that realistically won't be sustainable. I mean, it's, it's what I call chasing the opportunity versus creating the opportunity. And so most entrepreneurs will chase the opportunity. Um, most people who are really pursuing their what will create the opportunity.
1: That's powerful. Yeah, because you'd think that you... As entrepreneurs, so many of us have that bright, shiny object syndrome where, you know, we're on to the next thing. And sometimes, depending on what exactly that is, that can work. But if you're constantly jumping from one thing to the next, you're never building any type of stability and you're never building a foundation to to rise from. And it sounds like that's kind of what you're talking about is, you know, pick a lane and do as much as you can in that lane.
3: Yeah I mean look first and foremost most people as I said won't won't gain that sort of clarity and they'll just kind of zigzag through life which is fine um but reality is that just to kind of back up to the what is your what equation and you mentioned the the title of the book what is your what discover the one amazing thing you were born to do it's really discover the one amazing thing you were born to do for now because you know the reality is that your your gift I mean that's that's pretty much in stone I mean that is going to be in your DNA, in your blueprint to the day you die. But the vehicle you use to share that gift with the world and the people you're most compelled to serve, you know, that can absolutely change over time. Right? I mean, Tim is, you know, it's a perfect example of, you know, when you met Mike, right? I mean, before you met Mike, you know, if someone had said, "Hey, this is what you're going to be doing," You would have said, "Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I don't think so, right? Because it just it, you know, it just didn't even. It's like, how could you even come up with that?
1: Yeah, you know, it wasn't so on it was, the radar screen.
3: It wasn't even on the radar. And so, you know, that's what happens is when life just evolves and your experiences evolve and your perspective evolves, you may find that what you were doing even a year ago, isn't reflective of really what it is that you're truly compelled to do. And you can I mean, there's absolutely no reason why you can't change course really on a dime other than, of course, the responsibilities of paying the bills and feeding the miles that we've all have in place. And so, I mean, that's you know, you got to be real about this as well. But there's no shame in saying I was an accountant for 30 years. You know, geez, I did it just because I got paid to do it. And you woke up when you were 55 and you said, you know, I just don't want to do this anymore. It's like. You know, one of my favorite stories is uh, is a buddy by the name of Joe Amoya. And Joe was uh, a licensed chiropractor. I mean, he went to school. He got his degree, spent a lot of money on his education. He opened his own practice. And I mean, he had six figures plus dropped into that education or that practice. Over time, he had a pretty thick book of paying clients. And he woke up one morning. And I mean, he literally woke up one morning and said, I just I can't be doing this anymore fast forward now, and he has been for the last three years now uh been working full time as the ambassador of love, so he actually <laughs> helps single women uh, find the men uh, the man of their dreams so that's so cool you know and so he's what I would term as a reinventor, you know which is someone who truly does like that one eighty and Starts out as a chiropractor, and today he's helping single women find love.
1: That's, a, that's quite a, a shift. <laughs> now, just to, to jump in real quick, you mentioned Mike. I wanted to, for those people that are listening that may not um, know my story, Mike Berkson um, came into my life in 2001. Uh, Mike has cerebral palsy. He has virtually no movement of his arms and his legs. And in 2001, I was hired to be Mike's one-on-one aide in school. And I was kind of basically – I helped Mike do the things that he couldn't do for himself. So as Steve was saying, from, from my perspective, Mike was never on my radar screen, but meeting him – Changed the course of my life, and you know, it reinvented who I am, and, and and changed my gifts and talents to serve and to help a you know a community that you know I didn't really didn't really have a lot of involvement in prior.
2: So, if somebody goes through your your course, even is looking to shift or reinvent, um, I'm assuming that a lot of people are confronted with fear and uncertainty, right? So they they're thinking maybe they're going on one path because that's what they have figured out is their calling, or what they're what. How do you coach people through that fear and uncertainty and the obstacles that they have to go through?
3: Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, I will be the first one to stand up and say that you should never turn your passion into your career because, you know, reality is that it's passion and your what are two very different things. You can be passionate about something, but it doesn't mean that that's what you're truly compelled to do, or that's what you should be doing, right? I mean, like, all we have to do is look at the number of, uh, you know, cupcake stores in the cemetery, you know, and we can figure out that, you know, just because you love to bake doesn't mean you should be a baker. So, you know, there is a fine line between understanding that there is something that you're truly fired up to do, actually being that actually being your what. The truth is that, Fear is a logical response, but we live in an illogical world. And so realistically, I view fear as forget everything about reality, right? I mean that's my acronym for it. It's forget everything about reality. Because, you know, the truth is that things will never go as good as you hope or as poorly as you think you, you know, they might. It's always going to be somewhere like in between. But what I have found is that most people fail to act because they are afraid to cut that rope. And so what I encourage people to do is don't cut the rope. I mean, don't be stupid. No, I mean, just because you wake up tomorrow and figure out that your what is to help African kids get clean water or whatever it might be, doesn't mean that you can just run out and do it. I mean, you got to learn and and save and just get other people to fund your transition, right? I mean, so – I highly encourage people to think about, you know, look, just because you can become clear on your what doesn't mean you up and quit your day job. See, the fear is when you don't know where the money's coming from. That's ultimately what most people are afraid of. It's not they're afraid of failing. They're just afraid of not knowing where that, you know, where the money's going to come from so they can make their next month's rent. That's when I say, look, got a lot of hours in the day, right? I mean, right now, 100% of your income is derived from what you don't want to do and 0% is derived from what you do. So as soon as you start down the path of doing what it is that you're most compelled to do and you start bringing in a little bit of income, you know that recipe mixture starts to shift. And so now you've got you know, 99% coming in from what you don't want to do and 1% from what you do. And you know as obviously it gets to 90, 10, 80, 20, 70, 30, 60, 40, et cetera, I mean, you'll figure out when it's time to cut the rope. But when you do cut the rope, it will be at a point when You've already been diving into what it is that you want to be doing in your off hours. So now it's not just like this big mystery. Now you've already failed fast. I mean, you've already figured stuff out. You've already made mistakes. So you know what to avoid. You've already began to meet people in the space. You've already began to network. You've already began to you know, find a, a mentor and work under someone who's already doing what it is that you want to do. Maybe you've hired a business coach to help you lay out the plan. Right. I mean, the idea for most is that they sit there and they go, "Okay, well, here I am at the red light. And as soon as the light turns green, I go here. But, you know, that's just not the way to do it. The way to do it is to make a smooth transition from where you are to where it is that you really want to be. And for some people, that transition—I mean, if you wake up tomorrow and decide you want to be a neurosurgeon—I mean, that transition can be 16 years.
2: So, in the program, in your coaching, do you do you help people walk through that all the pieces? I guess at a high level or a framework that takes people through all the components that they require to get from where they are to really focusing on their what?
3: Yeah, I mean, look, obviously, it—that's um, that, the crux of my work, right? Because. I have built several multimillion-dollar companies from scratch. So if you look at sort of the general moniker of what I do, it's to help people discover, share, and monetize their what. But it always begins with discovering what their what is. Right. And so that requires a deep dive. I mean, that requires gaining that clarity. That requires understanding what your gifts are, understanding the primary vehicle that you use for now to share that gift with the world, the people you're most compelled to serve in each of those Components has an entire process that you must go through to get to those answers. Now, does it take ages? No. I mean, I've helped people now literally over the course of lunch. So I mean it's not a complex process, but it is something that requires a proven system and a proven framework which is what the what is your what framework does.
2: You had said earlier that your passion is not necessarily your what or is not your what. I'm a little confused on that one. How is it not?
3: Yeah, yeah, because ultimately you can be fired up to do something, but it doesn't mean that that's what you're truly compelled to do. In other words, you should be, if you look at the entire equation and if you're, let's say you love to bake, let's go back to the cupcake example. Okay. All right, let's say you love to bake. Are the people that you're most compelled to serve in alignment with those who will be consuming cupcakes, right? I mean, it's like you have to look at the entire equation. And where most people get off base is they're only looking at one part, one piece of the puzzle, which is what is that thing? It's an activity, right? And so your passion it's like it's something that's external it's something that you love to do that's external like maybe for you radio you know or or communicating is your primary gift right I mean probably the gift of communication. The question though is you could use that gift of communication in a hundred different ways so for right now you're doing you know these interviews perhaps the primary vehicle that you should be using is television or mm-hmm writing, or, you know, maybe even doing, you know, something just completely different. I mean, altogether, but I always ask people to think about who it is that they're most compelled to serve, because like going back to the cupcake example, you know, who are the people that are going to be consuming the cupcakes? Most of the time, those are going to be people who really love their sweets, which could be people who, you know, are potentially overweight, potentially they need to um, have, you know, their dessert fix or whatever it is. And, and so it, it, the bottom line being that when you look at the people that come in the store who are actually consuming the cupcakes, when, when the disconnect hits, that when I started out as I love baking and then seeing the people that consume the baked goods, there may be a disconnect. And for a lot of people, that's what ends up happening is the passion, the thing that they are excited about doing doesn't connect, doesn't align with the people that they're most compelled to serve. And that's when it then becomes a struggle. And when there's any sort of struggle and that alignment is out of whack, that's when you create something that's not sustainable. I get it. So you know, I mean it's like look, you could be compat, you you be passionate about, you know, growing vegetables in your garden, right? But at the same token, you know, you have to look at the the what is your what equation, you know, from a big picture standpoint. You know, there's a big difference between, you know, people in your neighborhood going, man, she grows the best tomatoes in the world and actually selling tomatoes and making a living by from doing so.
2: Food reality. Yes, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> so and, if I'm making tomatoes and I, I can't. Yeah, no, I totally get it now. It It really makes sense to me now.
3: And that cupcake
1: cemetery is paved with frosting and sprinkles.
3: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm not, you know, and, and I'm, I'm not trying to, to, to pour oil on the cupcake here. You know, in terms of just crushing people's dreams. You know, but the reality is that you know cupcakes might be your thing, and if bacon is your thing, then cool. But at least make sure that you've got all of the pieces aligned first, so that you understand know who it is that you're truly compelled to serve and if your core gift is not business right it's not making money that sort of thing then you, know, you may be very good at baking but you may be a very poor business person <laughs> and so you know that you have to reconcile the fact that when you go into business there's more to business than just the product itself
1: Absolutely. and that's also where
3: you look at
1: maybe partnering with someone who is a business minded person so that you kinda not outsource, but you partner with someone who kind of fills in the gaps that that you that you have. And exactly. therefore you can, you know, have maybe, a, you know, a cupcake business that is now you're distributing the, the cupcakes nationally, as opposed to just everyone coming through your door or something like that. Yeah, I'll I
3: mean, say it. So. Yeah, no, I mean, Look, there, there's a big difference again, between, I guess, probably a better way to think about it then is, turning your hobby into your career, right? Because you could be a phenomenal hobbyist, but it doesn't mean that that should be your career.
2: It's true. Because if you have a hobby, the monetization process that you talk about, so you're saying people, you help people to understand or to figure out what is their why, how to share it, so who their audience is, and then the monetization is the one that falls short.
3: In that instance, sure. And even the sharing, right? I mean, you could, uh, again, you could have the whole what is your what equation down. You could be clear on your gifts. You could be clear on the You could be clear on the people. But you then need to be able to share and monetize those findings.
2: Absolutely compelling. So how do people find out more about your programs or things that are programs that you may have coming out this year that would help somebody figure out their why at whatever level they're looking at?
3: Yeah. I mean, look, obviously the, you know, the place to start is, uh, is certainly with the book. Um, and I will, I will grab a copy. So, you know, I mean this, so this is the book, you know, it's what is your, what discover the one amazing thing you were born to do. Um, which you can grab for free if you go to whatisyourwhat.com forward slash free. So you can grab that book for free at whatisyourwhat.com slash free. Uh, and then the other option, of course, is just to go to steveolsher.com So S-T-E-V-E-O-L-S, like Sam, H-E-R.com.
2: That's great, Steve. We appreciate you. So, Tim, do you want to ask the last question? That's how we always ask.
1: Well, yeah, the last question that we ask uh, our esteemed guests uh, is, if you were going to give your best advice to someone who wants to become boss-free, what are the action steps uh, in the next 24 to 48 hours that, that one piece of advice that you'd give
3: them that they can start on their path, so to speak. Yeah. To become boss-free, I mean, I think that in the next 24 to 48 hours, being realistic, the, the most important question and the most important activity uh, that you should take on is really to ask yourself if that's what you truly want, right? Because there's a big difference between what it is that you want and what it is that you really need, And so ultimately you got to wrestle with all that goes hand in hand with being boss free, because there is something to be said for getting that paycheck, for getting those benefits and for not having to worry about making that payroll, not having to worry about making that sale. Right. I mean, it's, it's a much different world. And so you know, meditate on it, be a nut like me and go do Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and get your butt handed to you. I mean, whatever it is that you find to be therapeutic, you know, just spend some time really thinking about if that's what you truly need. Because, you know, again, you could be perfectly content getting that paycheck and having your free time and doing what you do off hours, you know, because being an entrepreneur, being boss free, um, is quite frankly, not all that is cracked up to be. I mean, people make it look easy, um, but it's far from easy. As a matter of fact, you probably work harder being boss free than you are with a boss. So, you know, figure out if that's what you need or if that's just kind of what you want.
2: I completely agree because it is, it's, uh, it's exponentially more work. The risk side of it alone um, is a lot to consider, um, but that is absolutely the truth. I, I agree with all of that, a hundred percent.
1: I came across a quote, or someone said this that to you know about, about being boss free that they'll work eighty hours for themselves to avoid working forty hours for someone else. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's
2: so true. yeah it's so true all right gang and there you have it uh the amazing steve ulscher has spoken and we will be having all of his uh social media handles in our show notes so you can get in touch with him on twitter and facebook linkedin pinterest all of the above as well as his offer for the book more information on steve in general and steve we want to thank you so much for your time and for all of these great ideas that you've imparted with us
3: absolutely thanks for having me on guys
2: great thank you
0: thank you for listening to the boss free society podcast if you want more connect with us on facebook at boss free society fan page twitter at boss free society or join our group of other boss free minded peeps at the boss free dojo on facebook